Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Good evening. I'm David Paul, and this is Upholding Matters. Now, what matters? People differ on their opinions with that. I think that paying attention matters because there's a lot of stuff that goes on that needs paying attention to. With a show like this that I try and prepare weekly, it almost seems part of it must be to wait till things are at least a bit more current. I I could talk about now things that are a few days old And they're not resolved issues, but they go on and on. So that's why we'd pick them up. But we do want them as fresh as they can be. So I want to talk a little bit about Rudy Giuliani and his performance. Did anybody get to see his media blitz over the past weekend? George Stephanopoulos sat him on and asked him some tough questions. And it really seemed kind of like... My father, one of his gifts, he said, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. And there seems to be an unraveling, a baffling. And this, of course, takes me back to an admonition I must make. What makes this night more special than many of the rest? There has been a blitzkrieg of big events that have come out, shocks, things you thought might never happen within our sphere of government, all the ramifications of having someone in the White House that has the power to do what might not be in our best interest. But tomorrow at noon, California time, I think, it's going to be announced whether we're going to pull out of this Iran nuclear deal. That's a big, big deal. I remember uh, the vice president leaning into Barack Obama, Joe Biden, caught live on tape. That's a big fucking deal. And it was because the world came together. Iran also cooperated and put off the time when they will be able to nuke someone. So it bought time. Who can know all the details? But world experts were in common agreement that it was the best chance to restrain and restrict their nuclear abilities moving into the future. But the problem with the deal, or the perhaps breaking of the deal by the United States alone, is that all our allies are in it. They all want us to stay in it. And it's the sort of a thing that really makes you wonder why someone would do that. 
go against your allies to please whom? And the other thing is that these things are closely tied to a downgrading of our State Department. So we no longer have diplomats even in place that can go in and smooth out some of these situations if we played a hand too far to talk to people. We've lost the diplomatic arm in many ways just because the president doesn't want to replace them or doesn't believe in it or I don't have, uh, there must be other ideas about why this is happening. I don't want to believe anybody would do that on purpose, take away your negotiators and the people that assist Americans when they visit other countries. It really doesn't make any sense. But it's a big deal, and from what I can understand, in addition to increased prices of things like oil that might come out of canceling this deal, the lack of trust and faith with our allies. I heard somebody say, yeah, we'll still be in NATO and we'll still be allies. and But it's just a... It's a bad situation. It's. Um, I talked before about uh, the dumbing down of deviancy. And it's really now a redefining of dignity. Because I think that's the thing that I want most from my president is to present, represent dignity and sending texts that are so derogatory to people and all the other name calling and stuff it just doesn't reek of dignity so that's sad the loss of dignity the loss of credibility and the never gaining the belief that you ever knew what you were talking about these are the problems facing our president and tomorrow will be a significant day we'll see in our next segment what actually is going to happen let's keep our fingers crossed and god bless america god bless america disappointed today. I mentioned last time we were waiting till tomorrow. It's come and it's more than I even expected. That's the thing I think about this turbulent time in our country that strikes me the most. I, I don't see it coming. I know it's coming. Intuitively I sense it must come but I never really come to grips with the fact that it did, or it did in ways that took me a little bit by surprise. 
So let's see if we can unpack all this. Thank you for joining me. I'm David Paul, and it's a great time to be an American. Let me just say that. We, along with a lot of other people in the world, a lot of other nationalities, have their own struggles. So welcome to the club. But here's where we stand. Now, I want to digress for a moment and tell you about my media-consuming habits. I, I like to watch a lot of TV, uh, news, cable news. I like to watch documentaries. I love the arts in general, so I love drama and all manner of entertainment. But last week, I picked up some movies at a garage sale, three DVDs, and they were unopened about the war in Korea and the woman took a dollar a piece for them and I thought well I should know more about the war in Korea and if I ever take the time I'll be much better informed so I bought them and I'm halfway through and there are some things that are equally bewildering to me as the current times we find ourselves in so I would say you do want to be able to count in leadership's ability to set a steady course. And I know I'll oversimplify this dramatically, but basically after the Second World War, we had conquered Japan, we were occupying Japan, and through this time, there was thought about how to handle the divided Korea. The Allies, the United States had the South and the Russians had the North. So it's a, a potential logjam. Now, our government, Truman and then Eisenhower, did not want to arm the South Korean government that we helped appoint because they thought that this General Rhee might use them offensively and go north and start another war to gain territory or settle it once and for all. So he got no weapons from the United States, no serious weapons. Now the North Koreans, on the other hand, did get them from Russia, and they did use them to invade the South. So that's basically how it all got started. We were caught off guard, and the first responders, the first troops sent, were peacekeepers from Japan. Some of them may have seen combat, but generally they were more uh, formal in nature. Many of these soldiers never having seen combat. So when North Korea invaded, they were the first ones put into the South to ward them off. And our weapons were antiquated from the Second World War. They're, they brought bazookas and they bounced off the Soviet tanks like golf balls, they said. Now again, I am greatly compacting the story and the suffering, and I don't want to underestimate that. This is a horrible mistake that I don't know who should merit going through. These uh, war is horrible, 
And this was a horrible situation because it just happened. Here these young soldiers are trying to ward off this well-equipped North Korean enemy. And we were driven back to the port of Pusan. And, you know, again, please forgive the oversimplification, but we drove forward from there and the North Koreans were in retreat. We chased them into North Korea and then the Chinese got involved. And if you know anything about the mountains of North Korea, it's 20 degrees below zero at night. Our troops had no equipment, no food, no, no anything. So it's, it's, and I'm, as I said, I'm not finished. I'm sure it's going to get worse before it gets better. But everybody remembers MASH and all these references that help us come to grips as Americans with this thing. This unforgivable trauma that was afflicted on people all over the world. Again, for very reasons that are hard to understand, at least for me. Perhaps geopolitical struggling is always inevitable. Perhaps it isn't. I do tend to agree with Einstein, who said that either war is obsolete or man is. So war is seldom the answer. It is more often than not what is picked, though. And here we go, trying to figure out what is the fallout going to be from the Iran nuclear deal being scuttled today. Now, I've heard a lot of commentary and some things strike you. One person said that it was the most destructive thing Trump has done since he's been president. And I think that relates to the fact that it's our relationship with our allies that are most at risk. There's the unraveling of everything that's been built up and there just doesn't seem to be a clear reason why. I don't really think he knows why. It just doesn't strike me as someone steeped in or even caring about relationships. You know, uh, they're transactional instead of interpersonal. Relationships matter. How we relate to the world, how we relate to each other. I'm reading a book, it's called The Tao of Democracy. And it talks about co-intelligence and cooperation and all the things that will help human societies prevail. Now, I was tempted to read some, 
but it took me back to thinking about the goal. What is the goal? To build through cooperation, true cooperation, a world that's sustainable and satisfying. Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. That sounds like a pretty good world. So, let's all just cooperate. Or we can expand our awareness to understand the full scope of things that are happening in the world. I saw John Meacham, and I'm sorry, he's written a lot of books on the presidents. Uh, he's a historian. And he was on a show, and I just missed his whole bit when I got back into the room. His book is called The Soul of America. And the last words I did hear him say were, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. I believe we'll be all right. But we have to get through it as best we can, as sane and as safe as we can. And that's why backing out of this nuclear deal with Iran has so many foreseen and unforeseen consequences. We know that gas will probably go up. That's like a tax on America. And it puts us at odds with our allies, which is the foundation of our strength in the world. We hold up the world. The world holds us up, supports us, at least our strongest allies. If you look through back through what the world has been engaged in and the relationships that have been formed from these tragic wars this last century, World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, war goes on and on. And you would like to think that there could be the cooperation that's in the Tao of Democracy book. But that's a reach, considering that there are so many other things that determine how we're going to end up. Now, again, I agree with John Meacham, we're going to be fine. But there are things that need looking at. For instance, if I just said this in passing, it would sound crazy. And I do hope there are things such as fake news. But this is one of these things that's not that hard to understand. Uh, another piece in the news about the Chinese and their goal to build the perfect society. And... A dozen years ago, I came up with this thing I called the Human Accountability Project. It was basically designed to enforce traffic law. And when you drive better and show concern for other people, you do learn a skill that helps 
you and everyone else, you know, you have to care about your behavior. You have to be accountable to something. And there would be rewards in this, but you couldn't duck driving crazy and not paying a consequence. That's just not saying in any sense to me that you can get out and pilot a motor vehicle, a two-ton hunk of steel a 100 miles an hour, not even thinking about the harm you'll do to someone else because of your recklessness. I thought the whole thing up about 2003 to 2005 because I wanted the traffic on my residential street, which is laws 25 miles an hour. Kids are all over. It's a neighborhood, a young neighborhood. And I couldn't let my kids on the street with their bikes because people flew down my street at 60, 70 miles an hour. I have a really long street and I'm kind of in the middle of it and they could really get going and just not even care. Now, I've also long had friends in the intelligence community and I hear different things and read things and It was apparent back then that the government was gobbling up information. This was before Snowden. So my thought on all of this was that, yeah, it seems a little drastic to have your traffic driving patterns be monitored and fined accordingly and rewarded accordingly for your good driving. In light of the fact that This information had to come at some point if we were ever going to have self-driving cars. And it would just come. All this vast information can be assembled by algorithms into patterns and habits. And the point is that this information is being gobbled and stored. So my partial purpose was to have people be aware that all of this stuff, if not now, will be available to use to regulate behavior. And the concept was to be that it's like if your mother was watching you, you just wouldn't drive badly. And you would learn to appreciate the law, and there's just thousands of benefits in it. But when talking about it, almost to the person, people seem to think that it was more of an intrusion and an unnecessary benefit. There was no real benefit that outweighed the loss of freedom to sensible traffic control and saving fuel and all the other benefits that would come from it. The loss of freedom was the thing that scared people. I get that. What if it's already gone? That was the point. Let's use it and control it and guide how this information is used before the choice is out of our hands. So as we shoot to wrap up, let me get back to the crazy talk. I heard that China is now aggressively pursuing 
gathering this information like the traffic patterns, but also all these closed circuit cameras and they catch you jaywalking and they take a few points off your total. And there will be a score eventually on every internet search and everything you do. That's their goal, to train people to always be the best they can be but it's kind of weird because it's kind of like the fulfillment of Big Brother, the way I understand it. They will just totally control in a merit-based way who gets what advantages from how they their score for their participation in society. So I didn't see that coming. We have to keep looking. We have to keep upholding and keep upholding each other. Till next time, I'm David Paul.